Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm Andy Robb from the AccuWeather Radio Network. I'm joined by executive producer Ken Prell. Regina Miller, not here this week. Is she on vacation again? She, no, she is on assignment. Oh, as like assignment. Evan says, oh, Evan like would call that. it. Yeah, she's on assignment <laughs> this week. And, uh, well, fall's right around the corner. Nice, clear skies. So we're going to put our eyes to the sky this week, Ken. Yeah, we're talking astronomy. That's right. So you're asking me to do this. I, a little bit uh, my background here. The mm-hmm. lowest grade I ever got in college was for an astronomy class. Well, I think that we're going to have to so re-educate you I'm an idiot, you I'm an idiot in this subject. <laughs> and I knew it right away when I took the class, but there was a cute girl in the class, so that's why I stayed in there. So I didn't get any knowledge about astronomy, and I didn't get the girl either. So. Okay, well then, I'll tell you what. Today, we are going to get some information because we've got right, two so guys I'll get the here. knowledge today exactly right. we've got two guys in here that are experts with what they do with accuweather astronomy who do we have with us today dave samuel i'm a forecaster and also astronomy blogger here at accuweather and i'm brian Leda. i'm also a forecaster and a journalist for accuweather now uh, dave has been on the show before it's been a while since we've had him on everything under the sun brian with his first appearance ever on the podcast so a big special welcome to you uh thank you i'm excited to be here i'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for this <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about this for a while. So why don't we just jump in right into the basics? Um, let's start with let's start with you, Brian, uh, with astronomy. How did you first get interested in it? I've always loved NASA as a kid growing up, watching all the space shuttle launches and everything. And then I got interested in learning the missions to the different planets, missions to Mars, sending um, probes way deep into our solar system. And then that kind of just segue learning about our planets, learning about the solar system and then the universe around us. So I'm always looking up at the sky and seeing the planets and constellations in the sky every single night I can. That's awesome. How about you, Dave? Yeah, I think it more or less came from my love of weather and looking at the sky. So just looking at the night sky was always fun when, hey, no clouds to look at. Might as well look at some planets and stars. So I've slowly, you know, learned what I'm seeing out there. And, you know, really uh, in college, it's funny you mentioned astronomy because <laughs> I took an astronomy class in college, Ken, and it was uh, it, it was really interesting for me. I loved it. So it was one of the best. It was interesting, but everything was just way over my head, yeah. you know. So yeah, uh, yeah. But... it was interesting. There was a lot of math and astronomy. Yeah. And similar to meteorology but uh there wasn't as much calculus involved at least in the class i took but yeah i think that really helped spur me on then on uh, you know i've learned a lot since i became the astronomy blogger here at accuweather and obviously uh, brian's done a whole lot with our uh the journalism aspect of it and he's got to go on some cool trips to uh, uh witness a few events and report on them but um yeah so it's just a learning process uh, every day you know learn a bit a little bit more Brian, you mentioned about, um, you know, space shuttle. I think that was, you know, one of my, that's what really got me interested in it and made me want to take the class and, and that kind of stuff. Do you have an early memory of, you know, really what, you know, jumped out at you and said, this is, this is what I want to, you know, really study and look into. 
one of the first things I remember as a kid was watching John Glenn go up on the space shuttle. Okay. Um, I wasn't yes, around the yes, first time. Yeah, he went yeah, to space, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but right. Yeah. When he went back up on the space shuttle, I just remember following that mission every single day, everything that they were doing. And like I said, that just kind of segued into my love for astronomy. I've seen several rocket launches, um, one with SpaceX. And oh, wow. when they, it was the first time they ever landed one of their rockets out in the ocean. And so it was awesome to be there. See a rocket launch and see actually what goes behind some of the space exploration that NASA does. Tell me a little bit about that, okay? Let's start with 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 the rocket launch. I got to ask the the question: How loud is it? It's louder than you think. Um, really, you can't be right there where the rocket is because you know if it explodes, bad things happen. But right. we were about three or four miles away, and so you see it start to take off, and you don't hear anything. And then the sound waves hit you, and it's, it starts to rumble, mm-hmm. and the birds start flying everywhere. And it, I don't really know how to describe the sound, but it's just – it sticks with you. And yeah. even though the rocket launch that I saw happened during the daytime, mm-hmm. the glow of the angel was just so incredibly bright. Like, I almost had to look away from it. And it was just an experience I'll never forget. So let's say how many, how many more times – louder than like let's say a plane taking off at an airport if you had to guess several times louder really um like i said you could feel the rumble in your chest even though you're four or five miles away so is that more so about as you yeah the sound but yet that rumble that you're you're feeling you know that you know that probably takes over more than than what you're actually hearing exactly you're not just seeing it you're experiencing the rocket launch because you're seeing it you're hearing it and you're feeling it and it just it's amazing. Dave, what about one of your earliest memories? Well, one of them was when I was uh, here at AccuWeather on uh, one of my uh, first years. I uh, worked the overnight shift, and uh, we were talking to work like, oh, I hear there's a meteor shower tonight. Let's go check it out. Well, it was a 2001 Leonid's uh, meteor shower, and it turned into a meteor storm. It was the last uh, really meteor storm we've had, and uh, there were thousands of meteors in the sky that night, so way more than you typically get with a meteor shower. And just sat outside until dawn, just watching meteors, and you you – basically just look at the sky and you'd constantly see at least one if not like four or five in the sky at the same time they were zipping around all over the place unfortunately all meteor showers aren't like that i didn't realize how rare it was at the time and it was so basically didn't fully once, appreciate it yeah, at the time I didn't fully appreciate it. i thought it was awesome because i've seen like a handful of meteors yeah. but never like you know thousands like you know just lighting going up the off sky like that. yeah yeah and then i realized that was probably the the best meteor shower i'll see in my lifetime unfortunately Unbelievable. I I can only imagine. So that probably just really, you know, that probably um, drove the whole thing forward and really, you know, made you very passionate about seeing something that amazing. It was cool. It was just such an experience and to like be able to to see that and the fact it happened in November and it was clear in State College, which is unusual because it's usually cloudy here. (laughs) It was really cool. It's interesting that you bring that up because like earlier you were saying, you know, you you, you watch the skies all the time because, you know, you're a meteorologist Mm -hmm. here and, you know, you, you don't really think about the night sky. So it was yeah. probably like just, you know, almost like a whole new world for you, I'd yeah. imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, meteorology is certainly my, my first passion. So astronomy, I've been, uh, you know, becoming more and more interested in it as time wears on. So it's been been, been, been a fun experience. So let's talk about starting points, guys, um, because, you know, like Ken said, he's he's not well versed in, in, in astronomy myself as well. Um if there's somebody listening right now, uh, Brian, we'll start with you. Um, if there's somebody that wants to learn about astronomy or, or finds a good starting point, what's one of the first things they should do? 
Uh, one of the first things they should do is know that they don't need any equipment to start. You don't need a fancy telescope or anything to get into stargazing. I think that's a big thing to, to really hit home right, right there. Because I think thinks, everybody thinks yeah. they need equipment to go out and yeah. go look at the night sky. Exactly. I mean, having a telescope or a fancy camera might help, but you don't need that. Anyone could do it from their backyard. Obviously, light pollution is an issue. So if you're living in New York City, you might not see as many stars as if you're living in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um but you don't need anything. And so everyone has the tools to scar- stargaze. Hmm. Um, the next thing I would say is you should try to find a star chart online to know what you're looking at, know where to see a planet, um, try to find different constellations. Are there any sites that you like to go to or, or favorites that are out there? Uh, I love earthsky.org. Um, they have an article every night to tell you what to look for in the night oh, very sky. very cool. Oh, wow. um, and we reference that a lot in some of our astronomy stories for AccuWeather. Yeah, we've worked with them a lot and, you know, used um, their information and shared it with our followers as well because they, they do excellent work. So Exactly. And there's plenty of websites and even apps out there for smartphones that have star charts on them. Mm-hmm. And some with your smartphone, if you just point it at the sky, it'll show you what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Then That's, I could be a genius. Finally, that, I figured okay. out how to be a yeah. smart guy about astronomy. That's cool because that's actually my next question that I had with these with the star charts and websites that you go to. What's the learning curve like that for for somebody that may want to explore that for the first time? Is it difficult? It, it it's mainly knowing what you're looking at and where you are. You know your geography. Know what uh, direction you're looking. So just like know if you're looking south. You know know where things rise and things set. Just like the sun rises and sets, that's where the planets rise and set. They all follow the same orbital plane. So the the track the sun takes through the sky, well, the planets nearly follow that same exact track. And the moon more or less uh, does as well. So uh, you know you can watch planets and the moon rise and uh, know your moonrise time. It's one thing. The coolest thing is when you realize what the moon does in the night sky because you're looking up like oh how come there's no full moon tonight i saw it a few nights ago well the moon rises uh literally exactly 50 minutes to an hour later every day so it's um uh, so that, that makes it, um, you know, interesting to look at. You can say, okay, now, now I know when to look for the moon and, uh, you know, you can see it and you see the phases change every night. So, so maybe a good way to start just tracking the moon across the sky and then you could branch out from there. So that's kind of like the basics, like just like knowing, like, it, so my question basically is, is there like a time it, it's, it's easy enough where you're not just looking at the sky and you're like, well, I'm supposed to see it. And you find out that you're like turned around the other way. <laughs> Does that how how often does that something like that happen if you're like looking in the wrong direction yeah, that's why knowing your direction is a good thing. So just to be aware where north, south, and east and west are. So in our latitude and the mid-latitudes, the southern sky is what's mostly filled with the uh, the planets, at least, and the moon. It'll mostly be in the southern sky. If you're looking due north, you won't see that. But, I mean, of course, there's stars and things in the northern sky to check out. So just know your directions. So would you recommend maybe like a compass or yeah, a compass, uh, as a basic a compass piece of or equipment? even getting on Google Maps and uh, you know it'll you can hold your phone and uh, it'll it'll point to what direction you're looking at and you can see east and west on there. But I mean, most smartphones have a compass app too you can use. Now for people who are a little bit more uh, into this um, equipment, what kind of uh, equipment do you guys like have? You know, I I would say like just keep it simple. Start if you're going to go if you want to branch out and then using something besides your your naked eyes, I would go with like 
like a set of binoculars. Mm-hmm. You know, a decent set of binoculars. You can like zoom in on the moon. And if you can hold them still enough, you can see Jupiter's moons. Um, and that, that might be a good way to start before you start uh, into telescope equipment because sometimes using the telescopes, it's a little tricky to uh, to line things up just right. But you get that free range of motion with binoculars. So, yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, binoculars are cheap and easy to use. Everyone's used them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good stepping stone before you get a telescope. And a telescope, it has a tripod, so it's set to the ground and mm-hmm. steady. Binoculars, when you're holding them in your hands, they shake a little bit. Exactly, so yeah. Makes it might it be cool. hard if you're mm-hmm. you know, trying to look at one specific thing. But with the most basic telescopes, when you point at the planet Jupiter, mm-hmm. you could see its four largest moons, which... I never get bored at looking at. <laughs> really? I've seen it a hundred times and yep. I'll set up my telescope just to look at that. Now, is there something new like you see every time or, you know, they change that, their positions, at least yeah. the moons of Jupiter. Yeah. So Earth's they, moon, it takes, you know, 30 days roughly to go around the Earth. Right. Jupiter's moons, some of them, it takes just a couple of hours. So if you step outside and set up your basic telescope and point at Jupiter and look at it, you know, say nine o'clock at night and then look at it again at midnight, the moons are going to be in different places. Mm-hmm. And so you actually see, you know, the mechanics of our solar system in motion. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's really yeah. awesome, actually. And it doesn't take a huge telescope to see those moons either, because Jupiter is a huge planet. So it's easy to find because it's pretty bright. Mm-hmm. And you just need a basic telescope. So just any kind of basic telescope. I like to have a suggestion for somebody, especially somebody who's a beginner and, and maybe on a little bit of a budget. Yeah, maybe don't spend too much. You can get a telescope for twenty bucks at Walmart. That's, really? That's so a okay. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it'll be you know, not, and it does the job. It'll get it, the job it does done. the job at least to see the moons of Jupiter. You know, some things like that that are pretty easy to see. You know, the moons of Jupiter are so large, we would be able to see them with the naked eye, but the Jupiter itself is so bright, it washes it out. So it's something you just zoom in a little bit and you can really see. So, and the planets I think are a great target for a telescope because they're brighter than any stars. If we we're talking about Venus, Saturn, and Jupiter, they're brighter than any stars in the night sky so they're they're easy to find that was one of the next questions that i had because you know you look up at the sky to somebody that may not know too much you're looking at the naked eye it all kind of looks the same how do you differentiate between uh different you know star formations and and planets that this kind of goes back to the star charts you know having the app on your phone Mm -hmm. um, there's plenty out there and so it helps you kind of orientate yourself um, to know like what exactly you're looking at also if you're tracking the moon Some nights it might be really close to a planet. So, you know, one or two nights a month, it might be right next to Jupiter. It's really easy to find the moon. And then knowing that Jupiter would be next by... You could just find it that just easily. Kind of just go over. Yeah, kind of use the moon as a reference. And we usually alert people on our Facebook page and astron or Twitter page to when we see these, uh, you know, alignments with the moon next to a planet because that's always cool to see. And you know, me and Brian have been uh, getting out there with our cameras and trying to take pictures of it. So that's something I think both of us are learning. How uh, often do you guys go out and and do this? Eh, maybe once a month or more often if there's an interesting event going on. So I think we're both in the learning process of how to, you know, photograph photograph the night sky. And it's it's kind of like a whole new world that's opening up to us as we uh, start to do it. It's been it's been really cool. But got got some cool shots lately. Yeah, night photography is definitely the next step uh, after telescopes. Um, if you get a camera that could take long exposure photos, you know, 5, 10, 20 seconds, mm-hmm. that's when you can start getting more detail. That's when you can take photos of the Milky Way and things like that. Um, so that's a bit more um, a step into astronomy if you really get into it. It's taken me a couple of years to kind of teach myself and learn the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you get incredible night photos. Very cool. Well, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, for beginners and what equipment to get, what apps to look at, what sites to look at. Let's get into the next step. We're heading into fall. 
a lot of cool events are happening, right? Yeah, this is meteor shower season. There's a meteor shower every couple of weeks, essentially. Um, and the big one that I want to highlight is later in October, um, October 21st into the early morning of October 22nd, we have the Orion and meteor shower. And this is going to be one of the best ones that we have in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to expect around 20 meteors per hour. Wow. Which, okay. you know, you might take a couple minutes to see some, yeah. but they come in decent numbers. Um, when you, it takes time for your eyes to adjust to the dark. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes, mm-hmm. so be patient. But when you start to see them, you'll know what they are. How would you describe seeing, like to somebody that's never seen a meteor before, in the best way that you can, how would you describe what it looks like? So just imagine looking up at the night sky, just, mm-hmm. you know, stars speckling the sky, and just a quick streak, okay. a lot faster than a plane. You know, a plane you could watch slowly go across the sky blinking. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to blink. It's just going to be a fast streak across the sky. Usually it's white, and it'll really catch your eye. And you're saying with this with this meteor shower, it's going to be more than just one streak across the sky. You're going to have several. Yeah, and I know Dave was talking earlier about the meteor shower that he saw where he was seeing a couple of them per minute. Yeah. Um, that's not going to be the case with this. It's going to be a bit slower, so you definitely need to be patient. But still, 20, but, 20 an hour is, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's pretty good. I yeah, mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a nice night out there looking at that. Yeah, the you're talking about, you know, one every couple of minutes, yep. which... I mean, especially if you've never watched a meteor shower, it's something to behold. Are they all usually in like the same location or are they scattered throughout different areas or how does that work? So this is one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to meteor showers. People think that they need to look in a specific part of the sky. That's what I thought. Everyone says, oh, where do I need to look? Just look up. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, that's all. And it it sounds like I'm trying to make a joke, but it's really the case. Meteors, no matter what meteor shower it is, they're always visible anywhere in the night sky. Yeah, the key is just getting as much of the sky in your view as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting in a chair looking straight this way, you're not going to see it. You want to lay down, get a lounge chair, look up at the sky. So, I mean, you're kind of, you're dedicating a a amount of time to do this, but you Mm -hmm. get in your lounge chair, just try to keep focused on the sky. Don't look away. Don't look at a phone. So we go over uh, ways to. That's the hardest thing right there. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we try to hit hard every time we talk about a meteor shower in our astronomy blogs and stories. uh, We always try to, you know, give people, set of instructions on if you're serious about seeing meteors i mean you got to dedicate at least a half an hour don't look at any light sources lay back and look at the sky and just enjoy the show yeah enjoy it that's what it's all about again what are the dates on that one uh the dates are the night of october 21st into the 22nd all right um and like i said about the direction you can look anywhere the second most asked question that we get is what time to look yeah and with the orionids the first half of the night is going to be better so in the evening into the first couple hours of the night. Um, the issue that we're going to have with the Orionids as we head into the night is the moon is going to rise around midnight. Okay. And when the moon rises, that's a lot of light. And it could, it, it's easy for your eyes to kind of like go right to the moon and mm-hmm. look at the moon. And that's extra light pollution. So that'll make it harder to see some of the meteors. It's kind of washing out. Exactly. Yeah. So you want to try to look for the Orionids before the moon rises. So before midnight. Before midnight, so, that, so during that window. That's a good one because most meteor showers are best viewed after midnight. So this one you don't have to stay up super late for or yeah. get up extra early. So this is a great one for the kids. You know, take yeah. them out in the evening so they don't have to stay up super late. 
and mm-hmm. hopefully they could see some shooting stars. Would there you, you recommend, Andy? You can stay up. There you go. <laughs> so you'd recommend like you know taking out uh, taking out with you, um, not just equipment wise, but you said like a lawn chair. or There's like yeah. a specific kind, like a zero gravity one, or like oh, a, or does yeah, a blanket work? Fancy, or... Sure. Yeah, just a blanket. You could just lay I'm down. I'm trying to keep everything budget friendly yeah. here. Earlier, now he's talking about. I, I'm just looking for an excuse to buy a zero gravity chair. <laughs> I want to see the zero gravity chair. That sounds fun. <laughs> or maybe just like you know. Um, a hammock if it's not too yep. obscured by, exactly. by like a tree line you, you ideally you do want to lay down because then it releases pressure on your neck because if you're sitting in a chair and just looking up for half an hour your neck's going to start hurting after a while because that's happened to me yeah so just laying down and yeah it might be tough just laying on the grass being elevated above it could be better because you get dew forming and stuff you don't want to get wet mm-hmm. so yeah. very cool what else do we have to look forward to here this fall uh well we have a couple other meteor showers uh Looking way ahead into November, we have the Leonids meteor shower, which peaks on Saturday, November 16th into Sunday, November 17th. However, this isn't going to be as good as the Orionids in October. This is because the moon's going to be up almost all night long. It's almost a full moon. And so with that full moon shining bright, it's going to be so tough to see. You're not going to see a lot. Exactly. Like we just talked about. Okay. You, you might still Plus, see some. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to try to find some, you could see mm-hmm. some. Just don't look towards the moon. Don't yeah. look towards the moon. It's interesting because this is the uh, meteor shower. The Leonids is the one that's produced historic meteor storms in the past. I mean, back in the 60s, it produced 100,000 meteors per hour all night. <laughs> It's just insane, like the wow. people viewing it out west, because it would happen to be cloudy that night on the east coast. People out west said they had to like hold on to the ground because it was so unnerving seeing the whole sky moving <laughs> with meteors. It probably like made it almost almost create that kind of illusion, like you were moving. Exactly, yeah. yeah. No yeah. So it almost you know made people dizzy yeah. just by enough to it. freak you out. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, like, oh, <laughs> the world's coming to an end. So it's just funny. But now, I mean, there's no more meteor storms expected with this until at least 2030, and uh, it's just a, a basically a weak shower, 15 meters per hour not not a whole lot so but still if you yeah. haven't seen something like that 15 yeah. per hour is exactly. probably probably pretty good oh yeah more than your average night so <laughs> it's it's amazing how many people i talk to even up in age i haven't seen a meteor i mean you just got to yeah. look at the sky any night it doesn't have to be a meteor shower on any given night you're at least going to see a couple per hour yeah, so. just get out there look yeah, at just the get night out sky. there and look yep yep just take it. Just put some put some time aside for yourself, and yeah. You know, yep. do you find it to be? Do you find it to be almost therapeutic in a way? It's very relaxing, and not looking at your cell phone to kind of preserve that night vision. Right. You're also kind of disconnecting from the world and just taking in the night sky, enjoying Mother Nature. And to me, it's just really relaxing. I think that I think everybody kind of needs that yeah. <laughs> at, yeah. at certain yeah. times. Just unplugging. Yep. It's all about unplugging. And, you know, you sit there and as your eyes adjust, you'll see more and more stars, too. So the stars you wouldn't see so, just walking outside. So you were talking about, both you guys were talking about, like, you know, turning the phones off, take, which, is, which is all well and good. Um, in terms of one of those apps, when you point it up at the sky, is it just like a camera app? It's not like a lot of light hitting in the face or how, how would that work? That's a good point. It is slightly counterintuitive that you're using your phone (laughs) as an app, but I mean, most of the screens are dark. Uh, like they have like a dark mode or whatever. Yeah. So that's like a, probably a good thing to line yourself up and know what you're looking at. But again, with the meteor shower, it's not too important where you're looking. So uh, Mm -hmm. when you're just getting outside and you're hanging out with friends outside by a bonfire or something, you'd be like, Hey, what are we looking at? I don't know. There's these smartphone apps are really cool. So, and it only takes like you know a couple seconds. Yeah, like, yeah. What's what's that app called, by the way? Um, I use Starwalk. It's called. Um, had to pay a couple of bucks for, it, but it's really good. So, yeah. and there's some free um, ones out there too. I, I have one called Skyview. Another one called Star Chart. 
<laughs> and so if you just look up, you know, Sky Chart or Night Sky, there's plenty out there on the App Store. Some you have to pay for that have extra features. Mm-hmm. Some of them are free. So it's kind of up to you what you want to try. But they're all pretty much the same. So there's all there is there's uh, what you're saying is there's there is a resource for everybody. Yeah, out there essentially. Yeah, and if you don't have a smartphone, you could just go online and look up star charts online. And uh, I mentioned earlier that website EarthSky.org. Like I said, every night they have a star chart that shows you what to look for and things to highlight. And another site I use a lot, uh, staratlas.com, and uh, it works on your phone too. You can program any time, and it'll show you what you're going to see in the night sky. So you can that's look, neat. you can look 30 years in the future because oh, wow. that's that's a cool thing that's about astronomy. Cool. Yeah. It's so much different than meteorology. I mean, it is. It, there's no forecasting of all things are going to happen. Like the uh, the math doesn't lie with right. astronomy just because uh, you know with the uh, like the the moon's orbit. Bit. The moon's mm-hmm. orbit isn't going to change unless there's some large object that's going to have enough gravity to shift it, and that would mean there's a large object nearby, and that would be pretty bad news. So that's kind of like, <laughs> so, so that's kind of like so, your constant, like yeah, that doesn't yeah. change. Exactly, like, so you yeah. can okay, so that so, makes it easier that so you, you can look the, that far out. So you can yeah. see what the nice guy's going to look at, you know, years and years down the road. Not to mention, you know, days and weeks. So that's fantastic. That's right. absolutely fantastic. Any other uh, big events uh, that are happening here that we can uh, kind of look for? Well, also the Geminids meteor shower. It's yeah. uh, it's some some people consider it the most active meteor shower of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I like the Perseids more because it happens in August when right. it's warm. Okay, yeah. The yeah. Geminids is in mid December. Okay, so yeah, it could be a little cloudy. chilly then. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if it's clear, it's probably going to be cold. But yeah. it's a very active shower. 150 meteors per hour expected. Um, so that's a good one to see in the southern states um, where it's more likely to be clear than the north. However, this year it's going to be a bad year for the Geminids because it's happening yeah. right around a full moon. Yeah. Oh, all right. So it's <laughs> yeah. kind of similar. The moon keeps say, uh, I, the moon uh, is it's, it's screwing everything up. That's what yeah. I keep hearing. Yeah. But I don't think that should scare anybody away because it produces a lot of bright meteors. You're going to see them whether or not the moon's out or not. Oh, yeah. That's like the Perseids this year that we were able to see plenty and, uh, and despite like, the moonlight. Like what we said earlier, too, even if the moon's up, just look in a part of the sky. Yeah, just try where, not to look at Yeah, where the moon's not. Mm-hmm. So if the moon's you know off to the east, look to the west. Mm-hmm. And try to keep that out of your field of view. It's easy enough. It's yeah. a, it's pretty. So if we go through it, then for 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 beginners, the naked eye is more than okay. Yes. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you would also maybe recommend to start out binoculars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And then the next step up would be a basic telescope. Just a basic one. And is there any certain like criteria for like magnification that those kind of uh, telescopes have, or it's just something that's just like the most basic? Yeah, I mean, they magnify 50 to 100 times uh, what the naked eye see, sees, and that, I think that's pretty basic. And uh, you just go up from there. I mean, you can get some really nice telescopes. And, you know, if you want to spend, say, like $1,000, you can get a telescope. Basically, you can just say, I want to see the Andromeda galaxy, doot, 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 and it's points you right I, at it i've yeah, seen it those has a motorized mount that takes I've, you yeah those it. are it is amazing cool, yeah. it's got yeah. like the remote and, uh-huh. yeah, yeah those yeah, things exactly. are neat how much do those usually set they, you they, back they can you can spend a thousand if you're going to spend a thousand bucks I mean, you can get a really nice one though so yeah, yeah that kind of you could you could probably get one for a little less than that i mean that that that, that has a motorized mount that can uh, you know has a little small computer in it that will take you to um whatever you program into it so you don't have one of those, do you, Brian? No. I'm, I'm saving up for one. Though. Are you there really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I want to check that out when you finally <laughs> get that. I'll let you know in a couple of years. Okay. Well, well um, he didn't say he was going to go out and buy one. He said, just yeah. let him, yeah, just well, let him know when you get yours, like. Brian. You know? uh, before we wrap up, um, let's talk real quick about AccuWeather Astronomy and the stuff that you guys do for the uh, astronomy blogs. Brian, we'll start with you. 
So every month we put out a story um, highlighting the big astronomy events coming up in the upcoming month. So usually right at the tail end of one month, we'll put out our outlook for the upcoming month, including meteor showers, if there's full moons that are happening that are kind of out of the ordinary, um, weird planetary alignments. So we highlight all those so you can mark them on your calendar at the beginning of the month. And then we'll write another piece about it as it's coming up to remind you about it and give you more details. And uh, we're posting all of that on our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Just look up AccuAstronomy, and we're posting all the information there. And even a couple. It of really other is a great follow for yeah. anybody out there who's not following it right now. Oh, definitely, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook and Twitter, Twitter, yeah. we send out slightly more frequent updates, but uh, we'll do plenty on Facebook as well for the major events. And all our stories are tailored towards what you're going to see without a lot of equipment. It's all about just going outside and looking up. See, that's very helpful. That's that's very helpful to, to you know, to a guy like myself, like who just wants to maybe just take a little bit of time and go out and look at the night sky. And yeah. borrow other people's equipment. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have any questions, feel free to message us on those social media accounts. We'll get back to you and help you get off, you know, to a good stargazing experience. And one more time, um, Dave, the, the website, uh, the URL for AccuWeather Astronomy, where would we find that? Yeah, you can you can find the blog at uh, just AccuWeather.com. Click on blogs. You'll find the astronomy blog. Uh, Facebook is just AccuWeather Astronomy. And same with Twitter. It's just AccuWeather Astronomy on Twitter. So, um, yeah, all those are good sources, especially the social media pages. And um, you'll see occasional articles from Brian on AccuWeather.com. He's, he's been pushing to get a lot of these stories more into the mainstream, uh, mixed with the weather stories. And it's interesting that uh, sometimes when the weather's quiet, uh, astronomy stories do better than the weather stories on the website. So it's a really, it's an important thing. And, you know, I'm glad people are interested in it. And, and you know, we're, we're here to provide as much information as we can give. Yeah, and, and we are meteorologists, so we give you the cloud yeah, forecast, too. Exactly. So you'll be able to that, see that's it. a good point. You're getting yeah. all the information that, right that, there that you need. Like leading up to these main events, that's what we do. We provide yep. the cloud forecast. And, you know, there's no other outlets that are providing that. They're yep. talking about the event, which mm-hmm. we do as well. But, you know, we tell you where it's going to be cloudy. And you get that little clear. bit of extra insider information yep that's all free too yep that's fantastic so we'd like to get you guys back in here again sometime soon to talk a little bit more about astronomy i think this was this was i i I learned something here i absolutely learned something today and i'll tell you what i i'm pretty excited to actually just go across the street from where i live to a field and just look up because if that's all I need to do, yep, I should yep. have been doing this a long time ago. Really, I mean, you take the you take the night sky, you tend to take it for granted. But you know, there's really a lot of beauty in there, isn't there? It yeah. sure is, absolutely. Yep, and it's always there. It's not going anywhere. And we only touch the surface. There's other things like auroras and you know comets to look at. But <laughs> we can do another we'll weather one hundred and one. We yep. can define <laughs> some of those terms. So, absolutely. well, Dave Samuel and as well as Brian Leda, guys, thank you so much for coming in and joining us today to tell us all about. Astronomy. Absolutely. Happy to talk about it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having us. And we will be back with a brand new episode next week. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. For Ken Prowl, I'm Andy Robb. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.